0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Complex Life Podcast. I'm your host, Evangela, and I'm a trauma recovery coach that supports you as you walk the road to healing for yourself. You don't have to be the victim of what your trauma did to you. Let's work together to create a life that is fulfilling to you. Join me on this journey. everyone and welcome to another episode of the Complex Life Podcast. I'm your host Evangela and this is Season 3, Episode 4, titled Memory and Trauma. Why don't victims remember right away? And as always, um, the blog post for this podcast is available on my website. If you'd like to view it, I will also link it in the show notes. So let's get right to it. Um, Normally, I am sort of freestyling episodes that I do based off of the blog posts that I do. So I like to add in information that I might not necessarily have put into the blog post. But this one I'm going to follow along more closely with um, simply because this is a topic that is triggering for me and I want to make sure that I get as much information out to you during this podcast as I can as it relates to why victims of trauma do not remember what's going on. So, um, as someone who did not have memories of certain traumas until I got into my adult years, it is very hard to constantly listen to, especially victims of sexual violence and violation at the hands of men. How they're discredited, how they are um, seen as liars and things of that nature because they don't remember what happened in the moment. And recent experiences in my life and having conversations with co-workers and people that I work with and um, just general conversations in life have brought this back to light within my experience. And so as I progress through my blog post to talk to you all and share things with you as I have these conversations, it's just a part of my experience. So I'm going to lay some things out to better help people understand why victims of egregious harms, not just sexual traumas, but they don't remember. I think that um, those who experience sexual, sexual trauma, in my opinion, and things that I see are discredited. Very, I mean, it's just harsh. It's so harsh. And people it's just because people don't understand, and they're speaking on things that they don't know about. I was recently having a conversation with someone about of course the, the Will Smith slap and it was brought up about Bill Cosby's scandal and R. Kelly's scandal, the sexual assault um charges that they had come up against them. And I was explaining, you know, my frustration with the fact that we were willing to cancel Will Smith completely for smacking a grown man who made an inappropriate joke about his wife. Yet we didn't want to destroy the legacy of bill cosby and r, r kelly for much much worse violations and so i looked at this gentleman and i asked him i said do you have a daughter and he said yes i said would you feel the same way if bill cosby or r kelly had gotten a hold of your daughter and did these things to them to her And he said i kill him i said so why is it any different with anyone else's then of course he brought up the memory piece with victims coming forward and not able to remember exactly what happened and things of that nature. So here it is back in my experience again. So I'm going to dive into this um, blog post and use it to guide me to help keep me on track while I talk about this very difficult topic. So the brain and the mind on trauma. Trauma especially in childhood and early adolescence can cause the brain to be overdeveloped in certain parts such as the amygdala this causes us to be in a constant state of fight flight freeze or fawn in order to survive and if you live in this space as a survivor of childhood trauma if you live in this space for years and years and years you develop you could develop complex PTSD and you never get out of this state your brain is steeped in cortisol and stress hormones because you are always trying to survive and defend yourself. I believe I read an article where it spoke about you know children we're, were attuned to hearing two different types of sounds you know human sounds of safety and then animal sounds predatory sounds and a child that has been traumatized they only hear predatory sounds they that is what they're attuned to hear in their environment so that they can survive. So the amygdala is mainly concerned with keeping you safe and it does not think it reacts because thinking about running instead of running is going to cause you a whole lot of problems and you're going to be unalived. You're not going to be here very long. So the amygdala jumps into action. It alerts the body system to jump into action so that you can be safe and then think about it later on once you're, you're in safety. So what this does is it limits the higher functioning of your prefrontal cortex which is a logic and reasoning brain and it actually becomes smaller and the amygdala blocks it from sending signals so when we speak to the fact that we don't remember is that we can't remember because because it is unsafe for us to remember in those times our brain is incredibly efficient at protecting us its main concern is safety and when we cannot handle something when we cannot handle a threat of our caregiver or someone else in our life who has more power over us taking advantage of us and doing things to us on a regular basis And there is no restoration of safety in our lives for a very long period of time We become attuned to those things and those memories get locked away and They get repressed so that you're protected from a psychological break so that you are protected and that is the reason why we don't remember there is a physical process a chemical process within the body a physiological process that keeps us from remembering so then you may ask why are those memories recovered later on well first and foremost i believe it's because we get to a place of safety or a safer space in our lives and the brain gives us access to it the memories don't go anywhere they live in the body so, um, an example from my life, um, not very detailed, but an example, nonetheless, I was doing therapy work and, you know, I was working with my therapist and, and doing, you know, having great progress. And then all of a sudden I had a memory come up of something that happened to me and my sister. And at first I was like, I have to be making this up because it was such an egregious memory. It was horrifying. And I felt no connection to it at first, none whatsoever. But as I you know talked to my therapist about it after I got into my next session and it began to do what a process that I call "settle in my body, I realized that it was in fact my memory. And of course, I had to go in and, and do work on that whole experience. I hadn't remember that. I hadn't. And it, it came forward when I was in a space of safety with my therapist and felt like I could, I guess my brain, my, my mind decided, okay, let's release this memory. And it did. And it was, it was very rough. Um, I'm glad that I had the safety um, of being with my therapist and, and having an established, safe relationship. This is one of the reasons why as trauma recovery coaches, As a coach, I don't go in and dig up repressed memories. If a client comes to session and says, well, I had a memory come up, we can dig into that if the client wants to, if it is safe for the client to do so, but we don't sit and process memories like that. And it is completely up to the client what they want to divulge to me in that session. And the entire time i am attuning with them i'm making sure that they're safe that they're not getting activated and worked up and if i do find that they are i immediately take measures to get them back in their bodies regulated and then if we need to refer out to a therapist so that they can process that specific memory then that is part of their care plan to make sure that they are safe and okay having memories come up years decades after the event and you not ever really having that memory does not negate the memory it's there it's always been there it was hidden because it is what the brain and the mind do to protect us so you have the physiological response to why victims don't remember there is something literally literally preventing them from remembering. Isn't that amazing? That our minds and our bodies know what to do to keep us alive, even when we consciously don't. That's why I tell survivors, you know, I know you don't want to have to be resilient because it's exhausting being resilient. We are tired of having to be strong. But it is a true testament to your strength that you have survived all that you have survived. And I want to validate that for anybody who is listening right now. You have suffered some horrible things from your perspective, not from anybody else who discounts what you have been through, but from your perspective. And you continue to show up, you continue to try to be a kind hearted person. You're awesome. You're a superhero in my book so next part of this why is this triggering for me and others well if you have not had the truth of what happened to you question and spent years of your life trying to recover from the devastating effects of someone lying about what they did or didn't do you won't understand before we speak our truths we have spent hours days years running over the events in our heads. And we often blame ourselves for the actions of adults and others, even as kids. So when we muster the courage to speak out and are met with, why didn't you say something sooner? Did that really happen? He or she has never treated me that way. It makes you not want to come forward at all. And believe me, we think about all of this stuff before we say one word. As I, you know, I'm I'm on social media and things of that nature, I see so many examples of the news and then people just ripping survivors to shreds. And even in the justice system, treating victims like they are lying from the beginning. I know that the church has protected predators for decades and ostracized those whom they abused. Say that they're lying and all that. And then we find out about all of these scandals, such as the one in the SBC organization, Southern Baptist Convention, where they have been abusing people. And folks have been coming forward and thinking that they're just, what's the term, church hurt. When they're actually being abused and traumatized by the clergy. And then shamed and shunned in the silence. Prayed against. Prophesied against, and then the church wants to speak to witchcraft. When you're doing things, you're praying, you're having little prayer circles to go against people who are exposing these abusers. It's not okay. It's not okay. And I ask you simply this: Why should survivors come forward? And I'm not in the camp of we come forward for other people. <laughs> Some people don't want to come forward for other people. Some don't want to, and I understand that there's strength, there's strength in numbers. I understand that we all want people to come forward and tell their experiences, but in the face of what we have to, what we have to go through when we do come forward, I can understand why they don't want to share their stories because they're treated as the, the abuser. Treated like they, were, they did something wrong. But who wants to be re traumatized in that way? It takes tremendous bravery for survivors to step forward and relive the nightmare of their trauma. I 1000% agree with the due process, process of law and innocence until proven guilty, but that needs to go both ways. Innocence and respect for the survivor. Add innocence and respect to the accused until it is proven. Instead of taking the aside of the abuser and asking all these horrible questions. I would I would really like for us to start supporting survivors until they get the justice that they deserve. It's, it's really that simple. If you don't have not something decent to add to the dialogue, just shut up. Be quiet because you could very well make the situation worse and you could be causing your sister, your mother, even your, your sons, your fathers, you could be causing them not to speak up about abuses that they've suffered because they see how you're going to react and they know you're not a safe space for them. You're not safe and more people have experienced abuse, childhood trauma, sexual trauma then you know. So you never know who you're in the presence of and talking to about things. And you could very well discourage them from doing what's necessary to get justice for themselves and to heal. So the next one is a a pretty hot button topic that I have never, I'm not going to say I've never understood, but up until I I did my studies, I started my studies in, in trauma recovery. I just didn't get how you could you could be on the side of an abuser. And so I've outlined six reasons, not the only reasons, but six reasons that I know are the reasons why people side with abusers. The person is being abused themselves, even if they don't know it. Because in a lot of family systems, you have different roles that people play you may be the golden child you may be closer to the abuser you may do whatever the abuser wants and you just may not be the target at that time so you're not being you so that you may be being abused and you don't know it and so you think that it's not that bad but i found if you're using the term oh it's not that bad when you're talking to somebody else it it probably is that bad and you're in denial maybe the person is a codependent enabler so their safety is entangled in that abuser and they're codependent on the abuser so they're doing what they can to try to rescue that abuser and they're enabling the behavior and a lot of times these people have been victims themselves. The person believes that there is nothing wrong with what the abuser is doing. And this is how we carry trauma into the next generation. So the next relationship. Or the next system that we find ourselves in. Classic example is us getting beat with extension cords and belts. And anything that our parents could find. That is very abusive. But because our parents did it, we did it. You protested as a child, it was, you were silenced with another hit with the belt or the extension cord or the shoe or the fist and so you were beaten into submission and nobody ever said anything, everybody was having it done to them, so it gets passed along. The next is, the system that a victim finds themselves in promotes this type of abuse. It's used to silence, it's used to control, it's used to keep order. Point case, cults. So, you may be in a cult, may have been in a cult or an experience that you don't think is a cult. But when you start thinking outside of the box and questioning the way that the leaders are doing things and the actions of members and things of that nature, you get a phone call. Or someone comes up to you after church to soothe your fears and to help explain away the egregious behavior so you have I think they call them flying monkeys I think that's what they call them like off of the Wizard of Oz that these people swoop in and I know it's usually been used in a sense of attacking people in the realm of narcissistic abuse But you also have those people that flock to keep that person who may be getting ready to leave the flock to bring them back in, to pull them back into the dysfunction of the system. Because regardless of whether or not the system is dysfunctional, it needs you to continue to be perpetuated. And you throw the system into chaos when you step outside of the norms and rules of the system. So you have these people. That swoop in to soothe your fears and to indoctrin- indoctrinate you and provide you proof that you're thinking wrong and you should come back lest you sin and end up in hell or on your own or whatever type of fear mongering that they use to keep you in the fold. Next up is the person that has been threatened. I mean, we don't come forward. Um, if somebody says, If you say anything. You know something bad is gonna happen or you know they feel like if you move on then they'll become the target and that's a horrible place to be in because it can lead to moral injury where you stood to the side and you allow somebody to be abused to protect yourself and that is a horrible horrible place to be in because it breeds so much shame The last one that I've listed is the person is a dope and doesn't have all the information, so they jump to conclusions. They don't know everything that's going on. They just, they saw an article that gave its very biased opinion or somebody posted on Facebook and off to the races they go. Siding with an abuser and not even really knowing it. And as I said, these are not all the reasons that you may run across, but these are the ones that I most commonly seen or I've experienced myself. As I do the work of keeping myself in a space of healing and growth and awareness and working with my clients and having conversations with people who do this type of work. Either way, it, I hope that these reasons help you see that it is not your fault. It's all about that person and their stuff. I hope it can alleviate some mental torture for you. Because it truly has nothing to do with you. Although it impacts you. And that is very significant. But I want you to know that it's not about you. They're doing what they do. What they think is right. Or even if they don't think it's right. is what they have to do. So I really want you to know. That as a survivor, even if no one believes you, your story matters. We are living in times now where we'd rather blame the victim because they brought up inf- information that we don't want to hear about our favorite celebrity. Or a friend or boss or a coworker Than to believe somebody when they say this person hurt me. I think that that in and of itself is a response of cognitive dissonance to keep distance when on the inside you knew something was off about the person that they're accusing and you did nothing. Do not let anyone make you doubt your memories no matter how late in the game they show up. I hope that all of you Have at least one safe person who can hold your stuff and just listen without fixing or discounting you or your experience. Just so you know, children typically do not lie about things like this unless they're groomed to by another adult. And that's as simple as that. It just doesn't happen. Children don't have an idea about some of the horrible things that they experience. If a child is coming to you and telling you these things, it's because somebody showed them and exposed them to it. So, take children seriously when they come to you with these things. Because the reality of the matter is you you would rather check into it, investigate and see what's going on and protect their child as opposed to saying, oh, they're lying and find out later on that this truly did happen. Listen to your children. If someone in your life comes and tells you that someone did something horribly inappropriate, listen to them. I don't care if it's your best friend. And I get, you know, you know, we think we know the character of our friends and things of that nature. I always say if the person didn't do it, they won't mind us asking about it. Or maybe they will, but they're willing to do what is necessary to say, I didn't do this. I'm reminded of this whole Amber Heard, Johnny Depp situation and how, as a society, We do very much have a gender bias when it comes to abuse and things of that nature. We think that men don't get abused, which keeps men from coming forward, which keeps boys from saying things. I hope that I have kept this neutral in the sense that it applies to all genders. It's not just for women, although I know that the, the prevalence of women being violated and treated poorly and uh, killed and, and things of this nature, it's, it's out there for all to see. But men also get abused like this. They get mistreated, they get done dirty. And then, everybody, and then people discredit them. Even to the point where they think it's some type of sexual conquest for a young boy to be with a woman. It's abuse plain and simple it's not a conquest and you're hurting that child so while this is a very heavy heavy topic I want all genders to know that even if you did not remember until you chose to come forward or if you remember in the midst of going through what you need to go through to get the justice that you deserve Don't let anyone discount your story. Because there are physiological responses that keep you from remembering for your safety. It's all about survival. And for those who don't agree, I mean, you can disagree with science. People do it all the time. But this podcast episode, this blog post was not for you then. It's for those who need to hear, I believe you. No matter whether you remember then or you're just remembering now, I believe you. Please take care of yourselves. I sincerely hope that this post helps people understand the process of traumatic memory on a basic level. Because of course there's more to it. And I hope it gives survivors some peace as they do the work to heal from horrible things. I also hope that it opens up discussions about this in empathetic ways. I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. I am on Clubhouse now. Still on TikTok as well. But I'm going to be talking about things and I would like for you to come over there and check me out the name of my room or club i think that's what it's called i'm I'm learning y'all it's called rising from the ashes of trauma and i would love to have you over there to dialogue and talk about some of these things take care of yourselves and until next time i'll see you along the journey Well, that's another episode in the books. If you like the show so far, please go to iTunes and rate it so that we can push the show to the top in ratings and let more people know about the healing work that I do. You can also find me on BeyondTheGuru.com and Instagram at BeyondTheGuru. That's at Beyond underscore the underscore guru. Until next time, have a great day.